shut as I write this song Is as close as I'll get to one of your hugs Can't drive home down Victory Boulevard Cause every mile holds a memory of us But I miss you even Hello and welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast. And speaking of music, that song that played me in there is entitled Phantom Love, and it is by Kathleen. Kathleen is this uh, incredible artist. She has some EPs out with Warner, Warner Records, obviously. And uh, she's been putting out these singles. This came out a week ago, I believe, and it's fucking incredible. Everything I've heard from her is great. And you know what? I saw her live. Not long ago at uh, the um, Permanent Records Roadhouse and the show, this great, if, you, if you're in L.A. and if you haven't seen a show at the Permanent Records Roadhouse, fucking check it out. It's an incredible venue. Really reminds me of the old school, cool, small bar, kind of rough and tumble. It's perfect. And she packed the joint and tore the shit out of it. And um, it was incredible. She's incredible. All, I'm putting her uh, link tree or whatever, I forget which one she uses, but what, a link to all her things in the show notes. It'll take you to her social media, uh, her music, her YouTube videos. She also does a real cool uh, John Prine cover on her YouTube uh, page that is fucking awesome. She does some really cool stripped-down covers, and I love it. Uh, so all things Kathleen are in the show notes. Also... We talked for two hours. It was an incredible conversation, really fun. I felt like I was talking with an old friend. Part two lives on my Patreon. You could go to themattdwyer.com. For five bucks a month, you can become a Patreon subscriber. Most of my episodes have part twos. The link to the part two is in the show notes. Uh, But most of my episodes have part twos. The part twos live exclusively on my Patreon page. You can also see video Uh, The video of this conversation in its entirety is up there. Uh, You could look at her splendid face and my, you know, room for improvement face. (laughs) Anyway, so go to themattdwire.com. Also, all links to me are on the website and social media and merch if you want to buy a T-shirt. And speaking of websites, my partner, Kelly Ardwire at kellyardwire.com, she built my website. She builds all kinds of websites. She did, um, she does the My Favorite Murder website. That's a really super famous podcast. She does it. She does all kinds of politicians, actors, you name it. She does their websites. Um, So go get a good website. As well as I've been doing some work with the Climate Emergency Fund. I'm sure you saw the floods that are happening in Pakistan last, or not even last week, a couple days ago. That Insane, uh, which is all part of climate change, too much carbon in the to, in the atmosphere, oil, all that. I've been doing a lot of work with the Climate Emergency Fund. I have a project that I'll be announcing shortly um, that will raise money for the Climate Emergency Fund. But if you can give them a little money, that would be awesome because they're doing great work helping support activists who are actively working in a civil disobedient manner to get our governments to act on climate change and that fucking really needs to happen fast. <laughs> if Pac- Pac- What happened in Pakistan is not far away from happening in many of our countries, and it's already kind of fucking sucking. Uh, but to... Uh, and real quick, I just... I, lately, I've wanted to add this new thing to the intro where I talk about what I'm listening to or what I'm reading, and I've been listening to... Um, it was a, a tragic loss, but Jamie Branch is a... Trump, a trumpet player, a jazz trumpet player. She played with a lot of people from Chicago. Some people I've had on this podcast, like Ken Vandermark. She's played with Ken Vandermark. I believe she played with Macy from Ohm, which now goes by Phenome, I believe is their new name. Uh, anyway, uh, check out Jamie Branch's music. I, I, unfo- I can't say I was cool enough to know of the music for Jamie Branch's passing, and I feel really bad about that. But, um... I checked out the music, and it's really just some incredible jazz. And it's on the uh, uh, International Anthem label, who uh, is a great... uh, Go and follow International Anthem. There's another artist or band that they have called uh, Dos 
Santos. And it's like this Latin guitar, funky rhythms. It's great. You'll love it. Trust me. <laughs> I, I just started, you know, going down the wormhole of their, of their label. And uh, there's just so much incredible stuff. So check out International Anthem. It's a phenomenal label. You will not be disappointed. And I believe that is all I have to say in this opening of the show. Um, please uh, check out part two of this great conversation. Either way, this is an incredible conversation with Kathleen. Enjoy. Nothing left but I grew up in a really small town that was very like, yeah, like it. It's liberal. It's like liberal, I guess. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, like we voted for Obama, kind of liberal. It's a. It's every time I go home, it it feels more, you know, um, I don't know, understanding. But yeah, growing up, there was this kind of. It was very mixed between rancher, um, rural. And then also kind of like ski bum or hippie or, and then more and more there's like people coming in from cities with like more money and like stuff like that. So it's a very interesting mixture. Um, And like my high school was really like route County where I'm from is the, at least when I was growing up there was the most purple County in the most purple state in the U S which is Colorado. And like, so it's really split. So it was, it was cool growing up with like that, kind of mixture of, of thought and mentality, but also looking back, like it's unbelievable how small, you know, our scope of understanding, like just any kind of person. I mean, I'm like cis white, you know, woman who's, but I felt like, so, and this is a high school experience probably in some regard, but like, I felt so weird and like such an outlier and like, so misunderstood and so just for being into things that I was into let alone like you know some of my friends who like are queer or are transitioning or stuff like that it's like there's been a huge growth spurt and like I don't know it's it's interesting to watch my small town you know like I don't know to see it on a personal level to know those people who are maybe not exposed to like these sorts of things we're talking about in LA and like watch their mind change. It's like at first maybe it's angry and hateful and scared. And then they kind of listen. They're like, Oh, that's like my friend. Like I understand that. And like watch this mind change. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What has your town progressed over the years? Do you think? I think or? so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And like, especially again, like my, my parents kind of working with kids and stuff like watching I, I would work uh, reception sometimes with, and my sister would come in like during holidays or stuff and school breaks and, and seeing like these kids kind of come in and grow up and, you know, like I remember the first time I saw like boys wearing nail polish or like, you know, there was like a couple kids who were, um, you know, identifying as, as trans or identifying as a, a gender that they didn't pass for. And like, it was really cool to see that in my town and like watch that. Cause I, I never saw that as, as a kid, at least, you know, while we were growing up, it just wasn't, it was, you'd be bullied, you know? And yeah. so it, it's like, I hope that there's a lot more love as a kid. Cause it's really hard to be a kid. It's already <laughs> it's hard to be a kid. And anybody who comes out that young, is brave. I mean, cause that's, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I had a, I was like into theater and stuff and I was scared to admit it. Totally. I was like, totally. I was like, Oh God. But then, yeah. And especially people just generally, I, I've been thinking of this outside of like in the art space, it's just like, because even in the arts, there's so many levels of bravery. Like I think being an artist right there, you have to go through this sort of, or, or either you've just never had it, this sort of like, I'm rejecting most paths that feel comfortable because other people have done them or, you know, I'm going into the unknown, (laughs) like, but then there's so many levels within the unknown of like being brave. Cause it's really easy to like suddenly become 
almost like corporate and safe inside the unknown, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy. And so like, just to continue to be brave and to be exactly what you are and, and hold true with what you offer and what you love in any capacity is like really hard because everything is pushing against you. So if it's, if it's your, you know, your identity in any form, like yeah, <laughs> I got involved with the theater in Chicago at a very young age. And then within that theater, there was a very closed minded. This is the road you take almost similar to go to college, get a good job. But it was like, go to this theater, do this show, do this number of shows yeah. and then go and write for Conan or SNL. Or, and I was like, in hindsight, I was like, that's just as closed minded yeah. and it's, but it's creative, but it's not really. It was mm-hmm. actually, I found myself being suffocated. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, I, I feel that so much <laughs> so quickly, like in the arts and like, I, I don't know. I envy, um, I envy artists and musicians who kind of had like days in like, I don't know. I, I work with a lot of creatives who are like, Oh yeah. Like I lived in San Francisco in the nineties. and like, it was crazy. Like there were no rules, like all this shit. And then like, or I was in New York here or I lived, you, you read all these stories about like, you know, like, I, I don't know, just different scenes taking off. And like, it was so wild. And I'm just like, man, like I went to college and like, and then I had to get a job so I could eat. And like, <laughs> I didn't know, like, I couldn't do that. Like, I, I don't, I guess I could have just, and, but even coming here after school, like I totally had to, like, I worked like six to seven jobs and like totally had to borrow taco money from my friends. Like I remember a lot going to McDonald's and like knew exactly how much a small fries were. It's like $1 and 26 cents. And I often was short and like just stuff like that. And it's like, okay, but I'm almost working for like this, like, like, I don't know. At least it feels very corporate. A lot of times it feels really creative in a good day and really corporate on a bad day. But I wish that I had that sort of like crazy, you know, like, I don't know, rebellious art. I guess I did in college, but I just feel like I never got that chance. Cause like, it's just so expensive to be alive. It is. Do you want to go steal some cars and like snort meth and drive cross country? Let's do it. What's on this block? Right. I don't know. I feel lucky. Cause, but I lived in Chicago and like, I was thinking, while you were saying that, I was thinking about the eighties art, art scene in, in New York and like, you know, but it was so much fucking cheaper yeah, yeah. like rent in chicago you could be an art now it's like mm-hmm. you can't like it's mm-hmm. it's like unless you go live in fucking arkansas and yeah. frankly no offense to arkansas but who the fuck wants to live there it's <laughs> like it's a tough it's a really tough spot because yeah it's like in order to generate like yeah I, I don't know. It, it's just, it's impossible. It's impossible. I was talking with my friend last night about it and, you know, they're struggling to, to move and to find different places. And it's, it, I, I talk to a lot of, you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like the art space and, and just like the ability that we have as a young generation of creatives and those behind me in age, um, not in art, but like, you know, we just have a different, layout completely like to navigate and like I it's hard because I I'm addicted to like watching bios and interviews and like learning from heroes and like figuring out how they did it and then I try and apply what I've learned and I just I don't know it's like I can't I find that I can't and so then you have to like I don't know build these certain like new new ways and new rules it feels like we're on a, a big sort of cracking happening which I'm kind of you know nervous but I'm excited about too because there's just so many things are coming to a breaking point and it's like it's gonna change (laughs) it is I'm with you and I feel I'm like where if people if cities aren't a sustainable place for artists to live where the fuck is the art gonna come from like where is like is it gonna be like I don't know Mm -hmm. some shitty suburb and like strip mall (laughs) like I'm like what is gonna happen Mm -hmm. because New York is not Mm-hmm. the spot like i i lived in new york when in 2001 and i couldn't get out of there fast enough 
<laughs> yeah. It's like, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. It's like, there's artists like Jack Stauber and stuff who are to, to the, from the outside, like very self-sufficient and, and create, I think he, I don't know, according to like what I could find about him, he lives like in a town outside, like in, um, in Pennsylvania that, you know, and, and there's a lot of like rural creatives, I guess. I don't know if where he's from is rural, but that's, but then that's kind of like. If you can sell your art and live there. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you have to go to a city to make, like, I couldn't have gone to buttfuck Indiana. I don't know if that's inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) And like started in theater. Like that's just not possible. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And arts are collaborative and like you need to be around people. (laughs) And like, so it's going to be interesting how the internet continues to develop in collaborations in that way. And I don't know. I, I, you know, I just worked, most of the stuff I've been doing is remote. I just worked on a visualizer for the song coming out next with, um, a digital artist in Aruba and, and we've been like, he's, yeah, he's from Aruba and <clears throat> it's, it's super cool. And, and he's just brilliant mind and, and we've never met, you know, but we, we collaborated like so fun. And, and then, uh, San Andreas's fault. I did the art with, um, an artist River Garza. And even though we were both in LA, it was in the height of the pandemic. So I never met River, but he's like one of the greatest artists I've worked with. And like, so I don't know, it is collaborative in a way, but just a different way. Yeah. And I've gotten to the point where I prefer, maybe I'm, I'm crazy though. And I'm already borderline reclusive. So like (laughs) not having to leave the house, I'm like, fuck, great. Awesome. (laughs) 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 I was interested because you said like you read about these other artists and their approach and you, like you can't really seem to follow that path. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, <laughs> but I was like, I'm curious, like, what is, what is your path and how is that different? Like, are you, are you drawn to like these, I'm a crazy lunatic, <laughs> <laughs> but you can't, cause I get that. Like where I'm like, Oh, I admire your crazy life, but no, thanks. Mm-hmm, like what totally. is your sort of your path and what, what were you attracted to? Well, I think that when you first you're exposed to the arts, like, at least for me, like my town really didn't have art (laughs) like at all. It was very, um, focused on athletics and ranching and yeah, winter sports basically, but, um, not much art. There are artists, there are great artists, like, but not anyways. But so when I was exposed to them, it's usually the like loudest, most famous, most wild radical ones that kind of like make it to you in, in this rural space where art isn't. So like, I didn't know about anything niche until like my junior year in college, probably, you know, like I I was, it was kind of like what you were exposed to at Walmart. Like, (laughs) you know, like Selena Gomez is like, I know her, like she's advertising lipstick. Like I got that or whatever. And so you kind of have these and then, and then like the internet, I was, I was a great friend of, of the internet and, and at me because it's just like, I remember going on iTunes and like switching the flag, you know, at the bottom, I think you still do that maybe, but like it was global charts and like just going and like finding all these crazy genres from all the world. And, and that was really big exposure. But yeah, when I'd go down the wormhole of like figuring out who they were or how they did at first, it was these like crazy radical, like you know, and then as you kind of become a person and you like want to have good mental health and you want to have loved ones and you don't want to give every piece of you all the way down to the bone marrow to this thing, because it kills you if you do like, um, that those sorts of perspectives become less and less relevant, you know, like, I don't know. I love there's this, I've recently been kind of looking for the like more homebody creatives. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like do, you, do you, can you make dope stuff and like be in a nice relationship and like have, and like, I'm happy with what I'm making and I hope people like it. I'm in a good place. I, you know, and, and so it's like, I guess now I'm sort of embracing that <laughs> to answer your question in a very long winded way. <laughs> 
Well, that's okay, because if you noticed, my question was meandering and long-winded. <laughs> We're just on a path, walking together. <laughs> I, 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 you brought up something that, like, mental health and is not something that is, at least from my experience in the arts and being creative, is not mm. something people, at least uh, in my world, was not something that was encouraged. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Mental and health. Better for art. Yeah, it's bullshit. And all the destructiveness is always embraced. And I'm like, yeah. mm-hmm. it's exhausting. I've been destructive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, and it's very, I don't know. I, I hope that as a species, you know, like we are going through um, almost like an elongated life cycle together. You know, like, I don't know, at first, this is this is just like some armchair fucking philosophy of mine that nobody needs to hear. But like, kind of, we began, you know, we couldn't speak, uh, you know, and then we started. To, I'm skipping ahead hundreds of millions of years, but like when we started to develop language, language becomes more complicated. Then like tools get introduced, and and then like religion, and and you sort of go through these like religion to me is a very interesting, like, it's a way to grasp the reality around you and, like, you know, just to try and understand. And then sort of the enlightenment happens and then it's like, oh, like, here's a basis for studying things in a scientific way. And there's, like, a method, and we call it the scientific method, and it's a way of questioning things. And then that's, like, sort of adolescence in humanity. And then we kind of continue on, and I hope that we're especially with the climate crisis and, and where we are right now with like late capitalism and, and all these systems that are just broken. I hope that we are kind of shedding that, that strange adolescence, like when you're in your, your early twenties, which I'm only in my late twenties, so I don't know, but you sort of like get your ass in shape or you can't be a person. Like you, if you don't fix your habits and your sleep routine and your hygiene and your all these things. Like if you don't get your finances in order, if you don't like, if you don't learn that like you have to be on time or, or whatever, like you're not gonna continue, like you're stunted. And yeah. so I think that art is kind of going through a similar thing where it's like, it's, I'm, I'm interested to see like as a species, how we, develop like how mental health healthy mental health healthy mental health looks you know in the art world um as we progress through it and stuff it, it's going to change it see i've i've thought similar things so that's not your armchair or that or we're both use, we're both from the armchair i don't know but it's a long couch <laughs> on one side <laughs> thinking <laughs> yeah i feel like there's a thing with art that drives and it's, I don't know if it's still happening because I haven't been in a gallery in a while, but there was these mm-hmm. art shows that were like sort of praising, it would be an art show and it would be all about a movie or it'd be all about like different variations on an album cover or a television show. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this isn't moving forward. That's this is that. glorifying something that's already happened. And I know, totally. and I, and I feel like we're stuck. Like anytime I see, I was like, great. Another painting of a celebrity who fucking cares? Like who, out of all the things to explore in life. And especially mm-hmm. right now, yeah. why are you fucking painting Philip Seymour Hoffman? Oh my God. A great I actor. Know. Great. I love him, but we <sighs> enjoy his work. Move the fuck on. Totally. I'm so sick of like mythology generally. Honestly, I'm just over it. It's like, <laughs> Kathleen is over mythology. <laughs> and Just like, uh, yeah. And celeb anything. Like, I feel like the problem why we're here, why we're here now in this world, the, or all of our problems are greatly related to our celebrity obsession. Completely. Yeah. I completely agree. Cause it, it just makes you want to be the ultra individual. <laughs> like, <but> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you are your face is where light comes from and it's like that's not oh my god I think about um speaking of kids movies and and stuff about like the Incredibles where the like super villain is 
he's like throws the whole like basically it's just like a big tantrum that he throws but at the end he's like if everybody's super then nobody's super <laughs> it's just like <laughs> that's his like I, I have to I don't remember anything else about the movie but it's true it's like if everyone's a celebrity then nobody's a celebrity everyone's just like screaming for attention and uh like yeah. not working together and not listening to each other and not like I don't know, bending into these beautiful roles that humanity has had these archetypal roles for so long that have allowed us to work together and like build together. And, and like, there's an element of humility in it, I guess. If you, you know, like, I don't know, you, you could be so many things that are super, super important and nobody knows that you're really doing it like maybe the people who you work with directly but like you're really important you know i don't know i, I hate i hate this culture. <laughs> do you <laughs> contemplate if you enter into that world yeah of, like my own role in this yeah <laughs> yes, no i, I mean because like it's like you a lot of us get into things to be creative and like fame is some people want fame which i'm like you need help yeah <laughs> <laughs> why <laughs> I mean, like the byproduct, but like, I don't know. Like, do you be like, oh my God, how would I handle that? Or does, does that, is that something? Yeah. I think what's weirder is how in order for your art, it feels like, and I'm kind of coming around to like a moment here where I'm seeing another path, but whatever. But like, I think in order to have your art heard, you have to pursue the celebrity route. Um, like you have to build this audience on yourself, which, you know, I think it's now growing. Like there's a lot more major, I don't know. There's so many ways to build an audience without your face on it, but it is interesting how that is like the most, I mean, everything is just like, put your face on it. Like people like your face, like put put it on it. And then it's like, okay, okay. And it's just, I, I don't know, it's, it's a harder road, but, but yeah, and then balancing obscurity, like I don't, it's hard to just be like, I don't want to be exclusive in anything that I do, which is like, well, if you don't get it, you don't get it. It's like, no, if you don't get it, like I got to work a little harder to make sure that message or that thing that I was trying to, to experiment with or, or whatever, like is clear, like that's, that's just like, at least that's how I view my own progress as an artist is like trying to be as clear as possible, you know? But, um, yeah, it's, I think handling fame and stuff, uh, I hope it, I don't, I don't know. I, I hope that I I've seen like a lot, I think living in LA, you, you know, you see like famous people at the grocery store and they they are normal people, like, but I think it's kind of cool because it's like, you don't have to, just because people know who you are all the time doesn't mean that you're working on that all the time. Like you can also go, you know, I don't know, go to take classes at college or something. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Online courses with your zoom camera off all the time. Nobody knows who you are, but you're learning. Like, I don't know. There's, there's a world of dimensions that yeah i'm going on so many tangents matt i don't know where i'm going <laughs> so, that's yeah. all right i've seen that some of my friends get famous ish yeah. mm-hmm. and some and they they mentally it's mm-hmm. not good yeah it's not good mm-hmm. and i saw that happen before and i quickly was like not for me like yeah. i'm not gonna go down that road because i know me and guess who would have probably drank and drugged himself to death really? this guy <laughs> i probably would have had some fun and i probably would have caused some trouble that's like so important to know about yourself though you know it's like i don't know because i think the problem with celebrity culture is that you if you aren't a celebrity then you don't exist and like this is not true and like you can like if that road is, is bad and hard, like it's so powerful to know that it's not, yeah, it's like, I'm better over here. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. My one friend is like obsessed with his level of fame and like, it's just, 
Mm-mm. It's the first thing he often talks about is work and fame. And I'm like, you have kids. We could talk about those. We could talk about the burger he had. <laughs> talk about a lot of things. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. I was curious because you mentioned when you were in your town in Colorado, mm-hmm. which I have a visual for. I, I, now I have <laughs> what, to go. What does it look like? Tell me. A <laughs> uh, lot of open fields. Um, mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. houses next to each other. Well, well parted together maybe a little rusticy downtown in this vision do do we ride horses to school because that's a question <laughs> i get a lot that no i didn't i oh, didn't okay. see but probably there are horses i'm gonna take a wild gander since great. there's ranches that, did you ride a horse true. to school i personally did not <laughs> but people did i think it happened maybe once or twice there was a time i think it's online where three people <laughs> rode a horse through the Safeway, which is like our bonds. Um, and they were like picking things off the shelf on a horse. <laughs> that happened. But other than that, people mostly drive like Subarus or trucks. Pretty much. Maybe <laughs> Jeeps. <laughs> Subaru is like the mascot of Colorado generally. <laughs> yeah. But in the small town, wait, you see what you're saying? <laughs> right. I did... I was curious though, because you said you felt like an outsider, even though you didn't, there wasn't, I I was wondering what was percolating in your, your fancy head in those days that made (laughs) you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, lots of fancy thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just curious what, like, you know, I know, because I know like what I felt like an outsider with and, Mm -hmm. and I was in a very masculine working class fucking awful world (laughs) but like there were things i was like even and it wasn't even like radical but you would be i would be like oh my god what if they think i'm gay what if they think i'm this like there was all this neuroses imposed on me because you didn't like seriously like my town like if you were into flock of seagulls they would be like oh you're gay right and you'd get beat up and it's like it's just a fucking flock of seagulls (laughs) (laughs) has nothing to do with my prefer prepper prep you know what i mean yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's like, oh my God, it's it's so polarized and fear-based in a lot of ways. Like, <clears throat> if you're not identical to the pack, then you are whatever, uh, yeah, thing we deem as something we can poke at. Yeah, um, what was percolating in my fancy head <laughs> was, I don't know, I think... I, I had, my parents are really weird. I love them very much. They're very sweet, but they're really weird. And I inherited that. But I think the town, first of all, the town, a lot of people I grew up with, like, didn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> and, or it was just like, really like, kind of like, I don't know, like, physical humor. <laughs> like, there's a lot of that. And I, so I just felt like a lot of things that I said, like, it was a lot of jokes that just never landed and I think when you try or you're trying to make a joke or you're trying to make an observation and like people just look at you with the like mouth open and eyes glazed over you're like oh I guess I'm broken like I don't know (laughs) you were cerebral I I thought a lot I had a lot of anxiety still do but like I was just thinking a lot and it was just like I think I'm still coming around to the idea that a lot of people that I'm around like for instance ski racing I grew up ski racing and just doing a lot of sports. And like, I was so nervous to go down these runs so fast. I was like, what? Like, you want me to, this icy road, like thing, it's steep. Skis are sharp, heavy, expensive. <laughs> My body is fragile and flailing. And like, you want me to what? And like, just watching these kids go like one after the other really fast and really like high-fiving at the end and like coaches high-fiving I'm like but you almost died like how (laughs) were you not so nervous so I was kind of just like I felt really alone in my head but then I loved you know what's interesting actually I remember there was a point where I was really yeah I was made fun of for being really weird and, and a lot of things and I think I wasn't I don't think I was very nice I think I was like it was tough it was like a tough adjustment moving to like a really expensive town. And there was a lot of stress on my family. And I think I brought a lot of that in to school and it was like, you know, it's, I feel for bullies, you know, I feel for kids who are bullied because I think I was both. And like, it's really complicated 
you know, what, what happens at home and stuff. And like, and, um, bringing that in and just, but I think when Juno came out, the movie, people saw it and they were like, and it would just change. Like something happened. It was like, I think it came out right around when I was in seventh grade. So maybe like 13 and people finally like came back to school. I remember like everybody went on the weekend and watched it. And Juno's like character was so quirky and bizarre. And like, now it's kind of like, Oh, like that is so like millennial humor. Or whatever. <laughs> but, like, you know, and like, but people came back and they were like, nice to me. Cause they understood they were like, we've seen this odd person represented on screen now. And, oh, like, she's not this, like, strange island. And, like, people were just, they let me be alone. They were just, like, when I'd be myself, they were just, like... So I think understanding, like, oh, art fixed that. Like, that's crazy. Like, I like that. And <laughs> I think I'll keep doing that, you know? That's interesting. Is that what you think drew, drew you t- towards art or maybe drew you closer to art? I was always, I've been writing songs since I was like seven, just like acapella. And I've always loved making things and like ripping clothes apart and cutting my Barbie's hair and (laughs) my poor mother, (laughs) like just always kind of like destroying and creating and, and, and I love writing and all those sorts of things. But I think, yeah, it becomes more pointed as you move through life. You're like, ah, like I can do that. Like. I, you know, I I studied poetry in college and that became really clarifying that like, I love, there's a place for all this, all these thoughts to go and to, and feelings, and that I can put them in something and they make something beautiful or not, but people can see it and it's, and it exists and it's out of me, you know? And like, that was really exciting to basically, yeah, like have a space to process and, and learn that like a lot of other people like to do that too and know how to do it better and you can learn from them <laughs> like you know it's like that kind of thing <laughs> were you forced into sports like did you feel pressured to do that to do that yeah definitely I, I mean my parents were they were just trying to especially my mom they were just trying to keep us busy and like off the streets like whatever because I don't know I think they saw a lot as working with kids as they did and they just wanted us in as many activities as possible. Well, they like, probably knew some dark secrets about the town. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And like, so my mom especially was just like, you will be busy all the time. Like, <laughs> you, will not, you will wake up and then you will be busy and then you will sleep and you will not have time to get into all these, these things. And I, so I love my, my mom so much for dragging our ass around and like demanding that. So sports, because it was, an athletic town. And my mom, she was a park ranger for like 20 years. She was a ski instructor when we were growing up as well as being a physician's assistant or physician associate, I guess they changed the name now, but, um, she, you know, was very inclined to like the winter sports and had us do that. And both my sister and I are like, <laughs> we're, we, we're so glad we know how to ski well and, and do all these sports well, but we're both like super, I don't know, brainy, like (laughs) it was tough for both of us to try and stomach being competitive in an athletic way. (laughs) I, it's, I, it's weird to me that we push sports so much, but not as a culture Yeah, and not the arts because my wife and I, and I like to say wife, because it sounds like I got some goats for her. That's, (laughs) and I'd like to establish that. Yes. I got a goat and some coins and she's mine now. A good dowry. That's good. That sounds like a good fit to know. Yeah, we're both creative, so we're like the fucking kids are going to be creative if they do sports. Yeah. They got to move out. That's how. I don't know if it's the it's the other extreme, but uh, I'm yeah. like, I don't get why our culture is so fixated on like why are it's like I don't know. Is it yeah. patriarchal horseshit? Because this country is a lot of patriarchal horseshit. But yeah, it's like military. It, and yeah, it's the same thing. And I feel like I truly believe a lot of where we are is also due to sports because it like mm-hmm. I used to like to watch baseball and it's all pro America, pro the military. And I'm just like, fuck off. And I stopped watching it because I'm like, I can't fucking this is Don't not it. it's like this it's like in the middle of like a fucking sitcom if we suddenly went, remember the soldiers? Yeah. Now back to Roseanne. Like it's just like what's the fucking totally. point? <laughs> yeah, it's this weird like I think uh shadow from the world wars, probably like my grandpa was on both sides were 
in the military, I think like a lot of people's because there were these wars going on and you, you had to go and like, and then there's this like morale and pride that America came up from nothing and then came out of these wars, like with big growth and like all this stuff at such expense. And then it's just in this shadow that, I mean, we, we started as, as a nation out of conflict, you know, first by like, slaughtering indigenous tribes. <laughs> I'm not um, laughing because that's hilarious. I'm just like, just like, that's the first, you know, like welcome. And then, and then we had to do all these wars, you know, <laughs> like the revolutionary war. And then there was the civil war. And then it's just wars, 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 which isn't unique by any means to the U S it's pretty just like, we love them. We just can't get enough of them. <laughs> but it's like that sort of c- carries around and then it becomes, yeah. And like in sports, then you have these like coaches who, I mean, a lot of my coaches were ex-military and so it was kind of behaved, you know, like that, like, and, and then that, yeah, it's, I think what's, what would be ideal is if it's a mixture of like my partner and I talk about this a lot because he's, He's uh, in academics, he's a scientist, but so he's also like in a brainiac space similar to artists, but we both talk about how, you know, important it is just to understand the body and mind as not being separate. You know, it's like, you don't have to pick one or the other. It's like the whole thing should work together, being physically fit and, and helping your brain and your brain helps your body. And like, it's all, you know, I think right. this should be well-rounded. Is it weird to date a scientist when science isn't real? Oh, <laughs> totally. Yeah, we're both. <laughs> I mean, he knows God created the world, right? That's like a, right. Just like about 10 years ago. is about God 10, 10 or 15 years ago, I <laughs> came through. Yeah, it's it's pretty hard to tell him that what he's doing isn't real. <laughs> just pray for him. All Just pray for him. That's all you need to do. Oh and that, that fixes everything. Oh, everything. Oh yeah. It's like, oh, I, we, we have this discussion a lot. I don't know if it's going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, pray. Just pray for him. <laughs> I'll try it out. I'll see if it works. <laughs> Was your small town Colorado very pray into the, into the gods? Um, there was, a, there were sections that were like, I definitely, you know, there was so little music that I definitely like I grew up Catholic uh going to mass a lot and like I don't know about that but yeah um there was yeah there was definitely like a pretty good sized Christian community in Colorado and they had the music like they just they had all these like stages and guitars and bands and like and so a lot of my friends like I did start in even though I wasn't like into it I was like grateful that there was a place I could play it was that or like you know reggae cover bands which I did both so <laughs> these are the awesome <laughs> and I did what I could you know it's like so yeah I don't know but I, I don't know there's there's a lot of good stuff I think it's just it's just gotta stay in check man. I don't know everything I'm with you I mean we're getting a little carried away here in this country it's like <laughs> hey everybody fucking chill out with the god shit because you're f- fucking you it read, up. Have you read um, Parable of the Sower? No. Octavia Butler? Oh, great read. It's very in the zeitgeist now because Octavia Butler basically largely predicted the Trump elections and even the Make America Great Again and like all this stuff. But it is because you live in, do you live in LA or in New York? Uh, yeah, I'm outside LA. But oh, yeah, yeah. outside LA. Ba- okay. Basically, yes. Then definitely read it because it's, it's set like right now. Um, she wrote it in the nineties, I believe, but it's set right now in Southern California and yeah, Octavia Butler is just one of the best authors, but sci-fi authors and just commenters on society at large and broken systems and and racism and, and all these like very, she weaves it together so wonderfully, but in the book, there's a lot of, especially the second one. I, I highly recommend if you read the first one, you have to read Parable of the Talents, the second one, because even though it wraps up in what feels like a pretty hasty way, uh, it's important that you read the whole thing because it's it's such a helpful way, at least to me and my friends who read it, to lens to kind of understand what's happening a little bit and also like hold on to what 
you know, the bad guys will go away. <laughs> like they, they don't last. They can't. Like destruction cannot be permanent. It's not a permanent state. You know. Yeah, I I interviewed the poet laureate for San Francisco a few weeks ago. How and cool! I, he's a revolution. Uh, he's also a revolutionary. His name's Tango Martin Ice, and he's incredible. Oh yeah! Oh, oh you know God. Tango. Yes, I, I have to watch that interview or listen to it. I, that's so cool. I can send you, I'll send you the, if you want to watch it, because I recorded the video and I, yeah. I, I have an unlisted link to wow. the entire thing because we talked yeah. for like an hour and a half, two hours. Nice, that's And awesome. some of it silly, but he, I asked him, I was like, do you have hope that we can change things? He's like, he's like, history is a graveyard of empires. And I was like, that was the best <laughs> response. Cause I'm like, yeah, like we're, of course we're fucking going to die. Like, of course this is going to go away and something new will spread up. It's yeah. the way it's been. Mm-hmm. We no, forget. Yeah. Yeah. We forget that in the span of history, like my friend who's English was like, she's like, Oh, it's just growing pains. She's like, you know, you're just being adolescent growing pains or she's like, I hope, but she's like, you know, it's like, yeah. In comparison to countries that have been around thousands of years, right? (laughs) centuries, it's like, we are nothing. And we're just like you said with, we're adolescents, we're fucking kids. Yeah. We're figuring it out. And I think the more we, we lean in and, and dwell on the doom and gloom, the, worse off we are you know there's this like beam of light that's on my chin that i can't i thought it was i thought it was we were talking about god so i thought god was coming (laughs) there it is oh i found it i found the source from my my window okay i'm gonna turn it but anyways Um, i think yeah it's like the more we kind of like with when you're sick or the more you focus on the illness and and you identify as oh i'm just a sick person like it's the less likely you are to get better i mean i'm not saying you're gonna be cured it depends on what you've got but like you're not going to heal very well (laughs) you know we've got to I agree and I I was in that state and I try to meditate and do things to keep my fucking shit together but Mm -hmm. I have a pretty rough past so it's hard to move out of it sometimes but but you gotta I literally have to work every day to be like this is how you're approaching your day yeah sounds Mm. corny but (laughs) not at all I mean, I think that's really important. That's, Woody, that's a really cool, like, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, what are you saying? Oh, no. Like, I meditate, and then the f- minutes after I meditate, I literally have to tell myself, like, think this way, approach mm-hmm. your children this way. Mm-hmm. Only one, one <laughs> syringe of heroin. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. It's just a tip. <laughs> how do you, how do you deal Great question. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm figuring out at that, I think I'm at that place where it's like, you have to learn how to deal or you won't deal. (laughs) You can't just, you know, wake up and start. Yeah. I think for me, I've, I've always swam laps like as a kid, I was on swim team and stuff and I haven't been able to do it for so long because it's hard to find a pool in a city generally. Especially this one. Especially this one. But I I live um, more east and so there's... Like, I know where you live. <laughs> you know where Not I live? Not specifically. I know what neighborhood you're in though. I think. Yeah, it's like... I. But there's a lot of great pools like in Pasadena area and like there's a lot of good stuff over there. So I've been getting back and my partner swims as well. So swimming is like just swimming laps, just jumping into a zero gravity space where there is no sound or stimulus other than the element you are currently engulfed in is so helpful to just eradicating, you know, temporarily. But if, if I'm in a funk or if I'm stuck or something like just going for a swim and getting blood flow that way. And like, there's something about water too. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's where we all come from. It's what's in us. It's <laughs> water's water's life. <laughs> true. So true. Yeah. Even if it's a chlorine filled pool with, you know, whatever band-aids at the bottom, <laughs> it's still great. Um, so that's been getting back into that and reclaiming athleticism and health, you know, for my own, 
my own space and needs and not this like hyper competitive way that I was brought up in. And just like knowing that like, I can do, I can just swim like no speed at all. And that's good. Like, I don't have to be the fastest and have that pressure and all this stuff. It's just, I'm just floating. That's good enough. <laughs> I always think about that. Like why is speed, music, everything. They're like, you got to play fast. got to And then you're great. And I'm like, isn't it, or running or anything. It's like, isn't it, aren't we missing the whole mm-hmm. process and the enjoyment and being in the moment? There's lots of uh, dimensional issues, I think, limitations with just focusing on getting from point A to B, you know, it's quickly. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I don't know. I've the more like that a number of years ago, I hit a wall where I was like invested my entire life into and identity into career and all those things and there was a then yeah. there was the day where that crashed in <laughs> really in what way <laughs> it was i had a project i thought this was my big i'd seen a lot of my friends let's like i'd seen a lot of my friends go into great success so for me there was this okay why isn't it happening to me in this turmoil and then a film i wrote a script and it, uh, uh people got behind it and it was happening and I was like this is it this is my moment and I held out because I wasn't I was doing something I believed in that I wrote that was like an independent film and I was like okay this is it's all coming together what I because I didn't want to write for sitcoms and all that stuff so I was like it's all happening and then one day it all went away (laughs) and it was like and I and it's my fault I attached so much to it that when it went away I was devastated like it was and i probably handled that in some bad ways with you handled it but then it dawned on me that like if it's not if even if this gets made and all my dreams come true then i have to do it again and then i'm gonna have to do it again and the cycle's never gonna go away Mm -hmm. and if i don't find something else to invest my world in or my, not myself, but I need to find something outside of myself that's more important. Totally, totally. So I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And this is what the podcast is about. I want no. You stinker! You stinker! No, that's when I started meditating and yeah. and investigating like Buddhism and things about attachment and like trying yeah. to, and I don't associate myself with any sort of direct thing that I believe, but I, because mm. I was, I've been following, looking into the, um, stoics lately i've started following oh. this there's a guy who has an instagram page where he talks about the stoics every day and quotes and i was he says all the same things as the stoics say all the shit buddhist and everybody else said but it's just yeah which is fascinating wow i you have to send me some of that stuff I, i'm not familiar at all with it i didn't know shit about him but i saw somebody post it and it's you know pre the group i think they were like the sort of led into the greek the, like mm. fucking plato and those guys Wow. And like Marcus Aurelius and Seneca. Very cool. But it's all like the same sort of like, don't attach yourself, live in the present. It's all the same stuff, but it's nice to have it pop up in your thread every day. Right. No, I did the tangent. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. No, I I love that. It's, it is interesting because I don't know. I think what is an inch, what's, what's a cool sort of um, thing to witness as a creative or person um, is yeah, when you put so much into something, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's better or truer or more you like, because I think what we forget is that just by sitting like in songwriting, um, there's, we have, you know, I, I don't do a ton, a ton of sessions in this way, but I did for a long time and I'm sure it's similar in like a writer's room maybe, but like you sit down and like, one second. So I am still like, I I had COVID like a month ago and I still have these like random. I've had it and I know, I know exactly what you're going through and I'm sorry you went through that. Oh, I, uh, we all have some, uh, wow. It's really, I I think of it as, sorry, this is a tangent, but um, when a, when a forest you know, that when a blight comes through a forest and all the trees, no matter what age, get a ring in them that year or that decade or something from that blight. And then they keep growing and all of them have that ring. 
and then like that's that's us <laughs> you know like <laughs> even little babies like who never got to see their parents faces outside of you know the house like that's a ring in them but anyways so here's my ring happening now where I have to meet myself and cough but <laughs> um <laughs> no but oh god what was I saying okay. uh it was approached to, you don't oh, always yes. take this sp- oh yes the the creative oh no, wait no keep going I wasn't quite there <laughs> you were saying you don't always approach your sessions this way oh thank you yes what I was going to say is that um in this, in a songwriter session, there's, you know, say there's like three or four writers and a, and a producer who's also writing or whatever. And there's maybe like a writer or two who are, or maybe just one who's quieter, maybe chimes in like a little less or helps with like certain things, uh, smaller details. But what's interesting about that is like, oftentimes, because when you get down to like splitting and like percentages, it gets really aggressive and it's like well you know so and so like hardly said anything like what is that but then you have to picture what the room would have been without that person like at all even if they never said anything you know or even like just in conversation like if it's us two and then a third person joins and says nothing like something about that shifts you know and like I say all that to say that your presence alone is impactful and so whether or not you put all this emphasis and all this like, you know, opus energy into this product, like that doesn't necessarily make it more real or more true. Like you just existing is real and true in that space. And so like anything you make it, it, and that, that's been like an interesting sort of like realization, I guess that it's, it's kind of like, it's not to say like try less hard, <laughs> But it's like pressure doesn't help. Like, no. You know. And I've noticed a lot of, from my experiences, people, the higher up guy will think pressure is what works. And it's like, to an extent, like David Letterman wouldn't acknowledge his writers. And I was right. like, that's fucked up. Right. And then there would be dudes who would like go out and be pals with their, like Conan. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I'm using comedy. <laughs> but anyway, but like, you know, is friendly and is in there in the trenches with everybody. And it's like, both great shows Mm -hmm. who's the happier crew who stays around a lot longer who works harder the happy guys Mm -hmm. yeah for sure it's I mean it's it's so important to be fun to work with (laughs) and not a tyrant (laughs) yeah and I and it should be fun it's creating Mm -hmm. it's playing (laughs) it's like it's all these things and it's like the more I've learned to not give a fuck about Mm -hmm. any of it money Mm -hmm. blah 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 the Mm -hmm. better I feel the better my, what I generate is. Exactly. Totally. That's kind of the, yeah, no, sorry. What are you saying? Oh no. I was just it's like, it's, you're supposed to be free. And, yeah. and if you start bogging yourself down with these details of ego and, mm-hmm. and money, yeah. you're fucked. And like you won't. And I think there's a reason there's a lot of artists who have these short spans because mm-hmm. I, and I think it's because it's hard to, it's a, it's hard to, keep your head clear and keep that garbage out. Mm -hmm. But also once you get focused on the wrong things, you're fucked. Yeah. And like uh, an exploitation and like, um, yeah. Surrounding yourself with like people who are trying to take from you. There's a lot of tough, like lines of like, who's a friend and who's friendly, (laughs) you know? And like, uh, that that's a tough thing I think that is maybe not unique to the entertainment but I can't really speak for any other <laughs> spaces I can speak for science medicine and entertainment closely because of and it doesn't show up in science or medicine <laughs> but it might show up in other places but yeah you really got to keep a weather eye out I wouldn't want to be like I wouldn't want to be a David Letterman or a fucking steven spielberg or whoever because i don't wouldn't want to be i don't know you don't know who you don't know who's really good at pretending to be your friend yeah yeah and i'm sure the truth is hard to see after a while you're like you know you don't want yes men so this guy who says no maybe he's the good guy but maybe he's not like it's like people are 
I'm always amazed. I'm not capable of being a manipulative person, but when I see people, when I've had it done to me, I'm like, how the yeah. fuck did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, Oh, it's, it's, yeah. It's a, feels like you just were betrayed, you know, it feels I, like. Yeah. yeah. I want, I want to be as honest and open and as good as I possibly can. I have, <laughs> elements of my being that are fucked up that I have to weed through but my goal at the end of the day is to just be an honest good person Mm -hmm. who hates the elderly just fucking hate them (laughs) oh my god that's crazy (laughs) so slow in the grocery store fuck those people What's up? up? Come on. Oh my God. Get on my level, please. Right. I'm curious. (laughs) When did like, when did your life shift and you were like, okay, I'm a, you were where you decided to go for music where that was the thing that you knew like, Hey, all right, this is me. This is what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. I think, well, I still don't know. (laughs) It's like, I think it's, um, in a lot of ways, a functional decision, but also something that I can't escape, <laughs> you know? Um, <clears throat> but I think it happened, it's happened several times for sure, like different waves, but like as a kid, you know, I would just, it kind of happen because I'd sing a lot. Like I'd sing when I was nervous. I'd sing when I took a test. I sang just like walking around. And like, I remember teachers having to come up to me and be like, Katie, like you're singing and we're taking a test. Like maybe not now. And I had no idea. And like, so like, I that, like that though. <laughs> it, was like, I d- <laughs> it was strange. I was like, and I, a lot of times seeing Christmas carols, like all year round, like, I think you I sang should f- meet my daughter. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I sang like the first Noel, like all of second grade, just that, like, that was it. <laughs> Singing that song. But so there's that. And then I loved, yeah, I love that sort of reaction. It was like, I like people, people don't like me in most places and, or I feel like I don't belong in most places, but then when I sing and play music, people like me. And I was like, Oh, that's fun. <laughs> like I have friends when I play songs. <laughs> I like that. And then, and then I loved, I just, I mean, like escaping, I would go downstairs and like after school or like whatever, and just work out a melody and like try and fit lyrics to it. And then I all day just like kind of piecing it together and like, that's so fun. And so trying to be able to do more of that, but it really like in college, I had this professor um, Noah Eli Gordon. He's a poet who actually, uh, just last month passed away and it's, he's a young guy. And so it's like really sent waves. And I think about what he taught me all the time. He was my thesis advisor when I graduated and he was just, he was really kind of like polarizing teacher. I think a lot of students like did not like his approach, but I loved it because it was just cut and dry and I don't know. It's just a really, but what he told us was the story about himself and his friend that he grew up with in Boston, I think, or he was whatever his friend that he grew up with. And his friend was always like, he, he and his friend would always try a lot of different things. Like they're skateboarders and they were in a band and they would like, you know, I don't know, paint and they do a lot of different things. But, and over the years, like his friend was always slightly better than at like more natural at everything than he was. And, you know, on a grading scale, I think Noah said like, he was like a, a B minus and Noah was like a C or something, maybe something higher, like an A minus and, and a B or something. And Noah was always like a little bit worse at picking everything up. And so he kind of got sick of that. And then at a certain point he decided, you know, instead of being kind of good at everything, I'm just going to pick one thing and just be really good at it. And I'm going to dedicate 10 years of my life to it. I'm not going to do anything else. And I'm just going to, at the end of 10 years, see where I am. And so he did that and he picked poetry and he, for 10 years, like just did that and like, you know, went to school and, and wrote books and book tours and like all this stuff became more and more into the important in the poetry world and like involved in his craft. And then, you know, at the end of 10 years, he kind of told us that he looked back at his friend and his friend was still doing the same things. And he was just like kind of good at everything he did, but not doing much and like 
when he told us that story, I was so shaken because I saw myself so clearly in his friend. <laughs> and I was like, shit, like I'm kind of good at everything I start, but I'm really bad at keeping with it. <laughs> and I was so scared. I was like, oh my God, like I don't, I don't want to be like, like that. And like, and so I was like, okay, like I pick music. Like I've got that skill set. I can incorporate poetry into it through lyrics. I can incorporate my visuals into it through videos and, and single art. And I can incorporate all these things, multimedia stuff through music. And I'm just going to do music. And like every few years I do get distracted. I'm like, maybe I'll go back to school and like get my MFA. And like, maybe I'll just like try that out and see. And I'm like, no, <laughs> stick to it. <laughs> and like, and so I think that was the real, that's why I say it was like kind of functional that I was like, let's just, it, it's not like I wake up every morning, like I'm like, I just can't wait to play a tune. Like, <laughs> oh, just metal. like, I just, I don't know. Like, and there's a lot of friends I have that are like, I'm not like that. I'm like, fuck, I don't want to write a song today. But it's, it's beautiful to pursue music in this state that it is today, even though it's very difficult with streaming and like all these different unknowns. It is cool because it's widely, not just accepted, but required to be a multimedia artist. Um, through music. So I love that part of it. <laughs> so I'm glad that even though it's a struggle to break through, you know, what, what, what gatekeepers lay or, or whatever, it's, it's still a really awesome opportunity to do it that way. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Conversations with the Wire. Please go to my Patreon or to the website, themattthewire.com and become a Patreon subscriber for five bucks. And you can listen to the part two of this incredible conversation or many others. I have over 300 episodes. Thank you very much. Nothing left but fire.